Christian marriage needs to be reclaimed, restored, and redeemed. The institution of marriage, as God originated it, and as God ordained it, was designed to be a one-flesh relationship. According to the book of Genesis, Genesis 2.24, God said to the first man that he was to leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, and the two were to be one flesh. God designed marriage from the very beginning to be a one flesh relationship. He's the originator of marriage. He's the one who instituted this great matter that we call marriage. And he designed it to be a one flesh relationship. But in light of the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ left heaven's glory, came into this world and lived a perfect life, went to the cross, he was killed, he was buried, he was raised from the dead, and he ascended back to heaven. In light of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the picture of marriage that we have in Genesis 2, 24, has been sharpened and enhanced, so to speak. Marriage is more than a one flesh relationship. Marriage, according to the text that we just read, is to be a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. Jesus Christ coming in his life, in his death, in his resurrection and ascension has transformed marriage into being the wonderful privilege of displaying the relationship that exists between Christ and his church. It's Christian marriage. And Christian marriage involves a Christian husband and a Christian wife who is sold out to live the way that God wants him to live. But what's important to keep in mind is that when we come to God's word, we can read, we can study about the relationship between Christ and the church. God has given us different images that reflects that relationship. Sometimes the church is referred to as a building. Sometimes it's referred to as a bride. Now, sometimes it's referred to in, in different ways as a priesthood, as a body. But all of these images are designed so that when we come to the word of God, particularly the New Testament, we can understand there's a special bond. There's a special relationship. There is a unique connection between the head of the church, Jesus Christ, and you and I who are members of the body of Christ. So I can open up my Bible and I can read about that relationship, that special bond between Christ and the church, the church that he bought with his own blood. But also, I don't just have to read my Bible to learn about that relationship. According to our text, 
I should be able to read Christian marriages. Christian marriages ought to proclaim and teach and demonstrate that special bond that exists between Christ and the church. A Christian marriage provides a video for others to see and view. And from that Christian marriage, I ought to learn about the unique and special relationship that exists between the Lord of the church, Jesus Christ, and the members of his body, Christians. So the question I ask with regards to our Christian marriages that are here, is that what your marriage displays? Is that what people see when they see you as a Christian husband married to a Christian wife? Do they see that special, unique bonding and connection between Jesus and his church? Because that's what our text argues for. It speaks of that relationship between Christ and the church in terms of the original marriage that is given in Genesis 2, verses 20, verse 24 and 25. When I read the text, I read Genesis 2:24 as quoted by Paul. And Paul says, I'm not talking about human marriage. I'm talking about the relationship between Christ and the church. So if there's any other place besides the Bible that I can learn what that relationship is between Jesus Christ and his church, it ought to be when we look and view Christian marriages in our midst. And so that's a challenge for those of us who are married, for those of us who are involved in Christian marriage. Marriage is not just for our good, not just for our benefit, but Christian marriage ultimately has a responsibility to proclaim to others the relationship between Christ and the church. And so that's why I said at the beginning that marriage, Christian marriage, needs to be redeemed, needs to be reclaimed, needs to be restored. Because our Christian marriages sometimes are not displaying to others that that special relationship between Christ and the church, which it is supposed to display. And so how do we redeem marriage? How do we redeem Christian marriage? How do we get Christian marriages to be what Paul says it is to be? A picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. Well, if Christian marriage is going to be redeemed, there's the role of the Spirit of God, there's the role of the Christian wife, and there's also the role of the Christian husband. 
Last Lord's Day, we looked at the role of the Spirit in redeeming marriage. We looked at verses 18 through 21. And in essence, we said the Spirit's work is to take a Christian husband, to take a Christian wife, and fill that Christian husband or that Christian wife with all the fullness of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that that husband, that wife is properly related to God. So that the fullness of God, who he is in all of his glory, his majesty and wonder, is in my life, so to speak. So that people see God in me, they see Christ in me. That's what we saw last Sunday. But today, as we come to Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 24, and also the last part of verse 33, we want to talk about the role of the wife, the Christian wife, in redeeming marriage. What is she to do? And Paul is not silent on this matter. He speaks clearly. He speaks boldly. And he speaks in such a way that not only are Christian wives to hear this, but Christian husbands and Christians in general. This is not just a text for those who are married and they're a woman and they're a Christian. This is a text for all the people of God. One way or the other, God wants us to understand the, the role of the Christian wife in redeeming marriage. And there's so much to be said, I'm going to say it in two sermons. Because I want to delay the impact and the messages that I have for the Christian husbands. And I want to make sure they don't know when I'm going to address them. I want to make sure they're here. So I'm going to surprise them when the message is for them. But we'll have a lot to say to the Christian husbands. But today... I want to address the Christian wife. What is her role in redeeming marriage? And you ought to be praying that that role is fulfilled in the life of a Christian wife, whether you're a wife or not. You ought to be getting on your knees and crying out, God help the Christian wives of Fairview, to be these kind of wives, to fulfill the roles that God has established. And that should be your cry, your prayer, whether you're married or not. You should be praying for your sisters in Christ, that they would indeed hear this text and heed this text. So as we look at the role of the Christian wife in redeeming marriage, the first thing and the primary thing that I want to point out to you is that the wife is to submit to her husband. And that's made clear in verses 22 to 24. In Fairview, I don't know any other way that I can put it. I'm not a politician. I'm a preacher. I'm not a smooth operator. I just got to present what the Bible says. So uh, I can't dance around the text. I can't make the text say something that is more palatable to certain individuals. I just have to come with what the Word of God says. And the Word of God makes it clear that 
the Christian wife's role, if she's going to redeem marriage, if she is going to be used by God to make that marriage all that God wants it to be, she is to submit to her husband. Paul brings that out twice in these verses. In verse 22 and also verse 24. And I know some of you are sharp Bible students, especially you, you Christian ladies, you study the scriptures, you Christian wives, and, and you would come to me and say, Paul, I noticed that in my Bible, that in verse 22, when it says, be subject, it's not there. It's in italics. And anytime you look at the Bible and the words are in italics, it means that they were not in the original manuscript. And so you might think, well, Paul is really not talking about submission. And I just want to let us all know when the English translations put be submissive or submit, that they're on good, solid ground. Paul does not include the verb or the command to submit in verse 22. I admit that. That is truly the case. But the last thing that Paul has been talking about in verse 21 is that Christians do what? When they are filled with the fullness of God, that manifests itself in submitting to one another, in placing ourselves under the authority of each other, considering others more important to each other. Paul said that is a mark, that is a consequence of being filled with the fullness of God, submitting. And so when he gets to verse 22, he doesn't have to use that word again. He says, you know what I'm talking about. And so he says, wives, I'm addressing you right now. Christian wives, as I write this letter, I'm addressing you. You be subject to your husband." And he's taking the idea of submit from verse 21, and he's including it in verse 22. So there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. What Paul says in verse 22, with those words in italics, be subject, that that is exactly what he means. He is saying Christian wives have a responsibility to submit to their husbands. And I know some of you are really, really sharp when it comes to the word of God, men and women. And you come to verse 24 and you said it doesn't command the Christian wife to be subject to her husband. And I agree, it doesn't. Because when you look at verse 24, it says, as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives to their own husband. Again, the word submit is not used. But Paul makes an analogy. He says, like the church submits to Christ, wives are to do that to their husbands. Do what? Submit. And so even though the words are not there in verse 22, even though the words are not there in verse 24, the intent of Paul as he writes these words is that Christian wives would submit to their husbands. Amen. Amen. And even you weak husbands, you can say amen. <coughs> no, just kidding. So, a, a, a reading of the New Testament, a casual reading of the New Testament, when it talks about the marital relationship, 
It stresses the idea of the wife submitting to their husband. So, so I want you to see that. And I want you to see it. It's not written on my forehead, so you're going to have to look in your Bibles. I want you to go to your Bible. So I want you to know that this is not what Paul Felix is saying, but this is what the Word of God is saying. So if you turn with me to the next book over, well, a couple books over, to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, I just want you to see that when the Bible talks about the marital relationship, that it stresses the wife submitting to her husband. And so Paul, kind of in his mini version of Ephesians, says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, very concise, very to the point, wives, what? Be subject to your husband. No words in italics. He's dealing with the exact text. Be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Turn over a couple books later to the book of Titus. And I want us to look at Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And some of you ladies are Titus 2 ladies. Uh, You understand what that means. And what that is suggesting is that the older women are to teach the younger women. Yes, the word of God is to be preached and taught so that young Christian women know how to live their lives. But who better than a godly Christian older woman to teach a younger Christian woman on how to live a godly life? And so Paul in Titus chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 has some words uh, to the older women. He says, older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossip, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good for the goal that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. Older women, Christian women, are to teach younger Christian women how to love their husband. If anybody ought to be able to know how to do that, it ought to be an older, seasoned Christian woman who has had to love her husband through thick and thin. And Paul says to the older women, you teach the younger women how to love their husband. You teach them how to love their children. When your children are getting on your last nerve, when you feel like just throwing them out, literally throwing them out, who can help you the best? It's a Christian older woman who has gone through that, who has seen the different stages of that child's life, from toddler to teenager to breaking your heart or whatever the case might be. But an older woman, a godly older woman, can tell you and instruct you how to do that. And then Paul goes on in verse 5 that the older women are to teach the younger women to be sensible, to be pure, to be workers at home. But notice, kind, and here's the statement. Older women are to teach younger women to be subject to their own husbands. I can proclaim to you from the word of God, young women. I can exposit the text and tell you to love your husbands, love your children. I can tell you to submit to your husbands. But there's something powerful, something impactful that God says he will use besides just the preaching and teaching of his word from the pulpit. He'll use an older woman 
who obviously has learned how to submit to her husband. And she will teach that younger Christian wife how to submit to her, her husband. But one other passage, when we look at this relationship between the husband and the wife, when Paul brings that up, he speaks of submission. First Peter chapter 3. And some of you Christian wives need to hear First Peter chapter 3 verse 1. Because some of you find yourself in a situation that Peter describes. And Peter talks about different relationships. And he says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, In the same way, you wives, what? Be submissive to your own husbands. I didn't make those words up. Those are the words that are in God's word. Be submissive to your own husbands. Why? So that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word by the, the behavior of their wives. Did you hear that? The, the text is saying that you might be in a marriage where you are the believing spouse and your mate is the unbelieving spouse. That the Christian wife might find herself in a marriage and she's married to a husband who's disobedient to the word, are even unsaved. And Peter says to the Christian wife, submit in that situation so that God can use that to bring your husband to the Lord Jesus Christ, to bring your husband to obedience. So the, so the Bible doesn't have its head buried in the sand. It envisions different circumstances and situations. And it's telling Christian wives the importance of submitting, not just in special situations, but as the norm of the relationship between the husband and wife. Now, before the submission bomb explodes, before you just, you know, get out all out of sorts, before you think this is just crazy, I can't listen to it, you male, chauvinist, whatever you want to call the Bible or me. Let me try to diffuse the bomb. Because I know what some of you are saying. Because I've spoken to some of you. I, I, I've seen some of you. I, I, I got ears. And not always necessarily here in Fairview, but I got my ears to the ground. I know what people are saying about submission, etc. The, the term submission has fallen on bad ground. We see it as an ugly word. We see it as a word that we don't want to hear. And as one of my books refers to submission, by the S word. And I hope that we as Christians will not buy into that baloney. That the word submission needs to be put in its proper context so we understand exactly what Paul is saying. So go back with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. So what is it that Paul is saying 
when he's saying to the Christian wife, be subject to your own husbands? What is he saying when he says that the Christian wife ought to be subject to her husband in everything? I just want to point out some basic truths about submission so that we can put it in its proper context. And that is, first of all, submission is a biblical concept. It's unfortunate that the only time it seems like we, as Christians, talk about submission is in the husband and wife relationship. I want to suggest to you that the Bible speaks of submission in many different relationships. And if you need to, you need to kind of do a word study on the word submission and see the various relationships that this term comes up in. Do you know that our Lord Jesus Christ was submissive to his parents, according to Luke chapter 2, verse 51? Even though a child, the king of glory, the one who knew everything perfectly, was submissive to his parents. Citizens. Christian citizens in particular are to submit to government. And I know we've gotten fancy and we try to dance around that today, but the bottom line, it used to be we go to Romans 13 and it was clear. If you are a citizen, you are to submit to government. In Ephesians 5.24, we learn that the church submits to Christ. And then also in 1 Corinthians 15, 28, talked about a future time when Christ will submit to the Father. And as Christians, according to James 4, 7, we are to submit to God. So the term submission is a biblical term. It's used in different relationships. It's not simply used in relationship, in the relationship between the husband and the wife. Please, please, please don't relegate the term submission to the S word. It is a biblical term that we need to see from God's perspective. Also, submission is crucial to relationships. At least from God's point of view. God says when it comes to certain relationships, if they're going to function appropriately and properly and to the glory of God, then submission is expected on the part of one party to the other party. There was a pastor who went to the San Diego Zoo and became fascinated because one of the exhibits was a 2 headed snake and I took the time to look on the internet you don't have to do that now I know you have access to the internet but you can look at a later time but there is such a thing as a two headed snake and he said that when he went to that display of a two headed snake these were the words that were written animals with two heads lack the intelligence to cooperate with themselves and will die at an early age. So the only reason the captive snake survives 
is that one head submits to the other. Why do I bring this up? When it comes to our relationships, we are not to have two-headed relationships. In the relationships that God has established that he highlights, he says that one particular individual is to submit to another. And so in the marriage relationship, the wife is to submit to her husband. In the relationship between citizens and government, citizens are to relate, are to submit to government. In the relationship between congregation and leaders, the congregation, according to Hebrews 13, 17, is to submit to its leaders. In the relationship that you and I have with God, we are to submit to God. So the health of these relationships depends upon the biblical practice of submission. Do we have relationships and marriages that function, that exist, where there is not the practice of submission? Yes. There are marriages, there are relationships where the husband might submit to the wife and the wife is the head in the home. Particularly when you start looking at some of the uh, relationships, that marriages that are outside of Christ, there are individuals where there might be what they call a two-headed relationship. Or it could be that the wife, because of her abilities and, and her superior knowledge, etc., that the husband submits to her. But I'm not just talking about the functioning of our marriages. I'm talking about the blessing of our marriages by God. And so if we want God to bless our marriages, if we want God to show favor on his, our marriages, we have to function in our marriages the way that God has designed it. And so if we choose to not do it his way, we basically tie the hands of God and he can't function and he can't work like he wants to. And so submission is crucial to relationships if they're going to function properly and if they're going to be the recipients of the blessings of God. Let me try to diffuse this bomb a little bit more. Submission is at times misrepresented. What some try to pass off as submission is not submission. It's not biblical submission. And we got to be smart enough to recognize that. That just because somebody says that's submission doesn't mean that it is. God establishes what submission is. And so a lot of harm, a lot of damage, a lot of mess has taken place because of the practice of not biblical submission, a submission that is not biblical at all. And so in marriages, things like physical abuse have misrepresented submission. And if anybody has talked to me about physical abuse in the marriage relationship, you know what I, where I stand. Call the police. Call the men of the church and let us come kick his butt. Don't ever let your husband put one little finger on you to harm you. 
Submitting to physical abuse is not biblical. It's not Bible. And even when it comes to things like verbal abuse, and when it comes to the matter of emotional abuse, you have to seek the wisdom of God on how to do that and what to do in those circumstances. You need to seek a godly woman who can teach you what it means to submit. Or you need to seek a deacon or a deaconess to learn more about what to do in situations like that. And so please, don't consider submission the S word because of the fact that someone has misrepresented submission. And they have portrayed physical abuse and verbal abuse and emotional abuse as submission. That is not biblical submission, and that is not what the word of God is saying. That's a distortion, disfiguration of biblical submission. And then, finally, what I want to point out to you, and hopefully this will diffuse the bomb. If it's not, I can't help you. Submission is a spiritual issue. Submission fundamentally is a spiritual issue. If you learned anything from the message last Sunday, you should recognize this. The ones who are able to submit to one another, according to verse 21, the Christian wife who's able to submit to her Christian husband and even her unbelieving husband, but in Ephesians, just a Christian husband, according to our text, is one who allows herself to be filled up with the fullness of God and of Christ. Christian wife, you cannot grab this instruction these words, and think that in your own strength and in your own ability, you can submit. You must, you absolutely must allow yourself to be filled with the fullness of Christ, with the fullness of Christ and the fullness of God. It is impossible to do what Paul is saying here. And that's why verses 18 through 21 are so crucial, so important. Not just to the husband-wife relationship, but to the parent-child relationship and to the employer-employee relationship. There's submission involved in each of those relationships. And the only way that's going to be carried out and done properly is when individual Christians are filled with the fullness of God and of Christ by the Spirit of God. And, and so it takes the enablement, the help, the strength of the Holy Spirit for the Christian wife to fulfill her role, for her to do what's spelled out in verses 22 through 24 and also the last part of verse 33. You must Surrender 
to the Spirit of God and have him be at work in your life. You must say to him, make me and mold me after your will. I hope that prepares us to get into the text of what Paul says. And we'll do that, Lord willing, next Sunday. We haven't looked at his exact words, but I just wanted and felt the need to diffuse the bomb of submission. It's my prayer, my hope, that Christian, that you don't let the beautiful concept of submission, I'm not just talking to wives, but I'm saying Christian, child of God, don't let the beautiful concept of submission be destroyed and devastated by the world. Don't allow the world, the flesh, and the devil to wreak havoc when it comes to this word submission. It's a beautiful word. It's a meaningful word. It is a word that comes out of the mouth of God. When we say that all scripture is God-breathed, that every scripture comes forth from the mouth of God, that includes Colossians 3.18, which says, wives, be subject to your husband. That includes 1 Peter 3.1, be submissive to your husband, even if they're disobedient to the word. Those are God-breathed words that come out of the mouth of God. And don't you or don't allow anyone to destroy God's beautiful concept of submission. Don't allow the world to take submission and relegate it to the idea that it's the S word. Don't do that to the word of God. As believers, we need to reclaim biblical submission. We shouldn't be in a huff and a puff because the Bible teaches submission. Not just in relationship between the husband and the wife, but government and citizens, Christians and God. Put submission back in its proper context. God has no problem with doing that. And I trust that you will do that. That you will honestly look at the word submission from God's point of view. And that as a result of doing that, that you will be eager and that you'll be ready next Sunday to hear what does God say about submission for the wife when it comes to the marriage relationship. But we need to do some heart preparation. We need to start seeing submission not through the eyes of the world, but instead through the eyes of God. And so when we talk about the role of the wife in redeeming marriage, the Bible's not shy. The Bible does not stutter. The Bible doesn't hold back. The Bible says that the wife is to submit to her husband. I'll say it again. <laughs> the Bible says, now if you think that's me saying it, I challenge you from the word of God to tell me and show me that the Bible is saying anything different. The Bible says 
Wives, submit to your husbands. Do you need wisdom? Do you need guidance and direction in doing that? It could be. But the fundamental role of the wife in the marriage relationship is that she is to submit to her husband. And if that's all you hear, shame on you. If all you think about in redeeming marriage is this, there's more to it. And we surely have more to say with regards to the husband. But come back next week. I hope you haven't gotten scared away. I hope you don't get sick next week and can't show up. Come back and learn what the Bible says in these verses about the wife submitting to her husband. It begins by making sure that a person submits to God. And I'm talking about every human being has that responsibility to submit to God, to place ourselves under the authority of God. And that begins with recognizing that you're in rebellion against God, that you come into this world as one who's in rebellion against God, that you have raised your fist in the face of God and you choose not to submit to his will, but to your own will. And the Bible confronts you with the gospel and with the reality that you need to be reconciled to God. And that is you need to repent of your sins and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will never, as a Christian wife, or a Christian citizen, or a Christian person, submit to God without first of all coming to God on his terms, without first putting your faith and your trust in him. That's the starting point. And when you submit to God, and trust me, we don't like submitting to God, If that's news to your ears, just read James 4, 7, where we're commanded to submit to God. Did you hear that? We, as the people of God, have to be commanded to submit to the God who knows everything perfectly. But we, in our arrogance, we think we know best. We think we know every situation. And God said, you just... Place yourself under my authority. You do things my way. And God is saying, do that with your total life and do that with every step of your life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it doesn't stutter. We're thankful that it's not unclear, but it's to the point and it speaks volumes when it comes to the role of the spirit in redeeming marriage, when it comes to the role of the wife in redeeming marriage, and when it comes to the role of husbands in redeeming marriage. And Father, my prayer today in light of the message is just simply that we as Christians will see that submission is a beautiful word and concept that originates with you, that comes out of your mouth and is something that you desire for us in our various relationships. 
Help us not to be hoodwinked or tricked or deceived by the world in thinking submission is something that can simply be reduced to the S word. But instead, may we see the beauty of submitting to one another, of submitting to you, and submitting in the various relationships that you place us. Help us, O oh Lord, to see submission through your eyes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.